Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It OD Podcast and happy Monday. We're continuing with the Day in the Life series today. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, this series aims to bring you, the listener, a glimpse of what a day in the life of optometrists and optometry students from various walks of life look like. So today I have the pleasure to interview Marie Hugo. She's a fourth-year optometry student from SCO. Miss Marie is originally from Blywood, South Carolina. She attended Clemson University, where she pursued a degree in biological sciences. She was also a member of the Clemson Rowing Club. And throughout her time at SEO, she became involved in numerous activities and organizations, such as being the class president, the SGA president, student ambassador, the gold key secretary, um, and I serve Memphis executive team, North Carolina secretary treasurer, and member to a handful of clubs as well. After graduation, Marie plans to complete a residency in ocular disease in primary care. So that's enough said. Now let's get to know what a day in the life of a fourth-year student at SCO look like. Marie, thank you for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. Alrighty, so um, before we get started with the episode, I just want to preface this by saying we're going to be breaking it up into three different segments. The first segment is um, going to be questions about your pre-optometry background. Um, the second segment is all about optometry school. And then the last segment is just going to be questions that um, I received from listeners. So for the first segment here, I'm just going to start off easy. <laughs> what made you um, want to pursue a career in optometry? Well, when I was five, my brother was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And I found myself wondering, why could he not eat certain foods? Why did he have to stick himself with a needle every day? And just what was going on with his body that changed his life and our life substantially. So between my brother and then my mom is actually a nurse practitioner. I was constantly surrounded by the medical field. And that's kind of where I fell into love with the human body. And so my entire life, I thought I always wanted to do medical school, but I didn't exactly know what area. I didn't have a particular passion pulling me in one direction. Therefore, I started shadowing a number of physicians, and it actually wasn't until I shadowed an optometrist that I found optometry. And after that day, I knew it was my missing piece. So one of the things I love about optometry is that the optometrists are always spending time and truly getting to know their patients. And I did not realize, and I'm continuing to realize this, how much systemic disease is involved with the eyes. So I've always had a passion for ocular disease. And there's a great, um, there's so many different areas of optometry that you can go into. So I just liked the variety in the different avenues that I could go down. And of course, I was one of those students who, or people, I guess you could say, that took advantage of my eyes and didn't actually need glasses until I got to college. So optometry wasn't even on my radar. So um, again, it was kind of after I started shadowing that I found my missing piece. That's awesome. Um, well, I'm glad that you did that because um, I know a lot of people going um, through college right now, they're still trying to figure out that missing piece. Um, and through this, I hope someone, um, you know, feels inspired and just follows their heart. Yes, absolutely. And I didn't actually find it till after I graduated college. So, you know, there's no time crunch. So also keep that in mind as well. Oh, interesting. Um, so we're going to definitely ask you a question about that. Um, 
but I was going to ask you about what made you choose your major and did that kind of help you um, kind of in the transition from undergrad to optometry school? Would you recommend a specific one? And since you mentioned it, how did um, like the transition go from like undergrad to optometry school since you didn't really um, find that passion for optometry until after? Yeah, good question. So I knew I was going to go on to a professional school after undergrad. So I, like I said, thought it was always going to be medical school. So I chose a major that would best prepare me. And for Clemson, that was biology. So I knew biology would allow me to get all the prerequisites that I would need. And I know each school is a little bit different in regards to what majors they offer, you know, biology, pre-med, psychology, you know, there's so many different majors that you can go through. So really, I would just recommend find the best one that works best for you and what your interests are. And because there are going to be extra classes that you don't need. Like I took evolutionary biology. So you don't need that for optometry school. So find something that you're interested in and um, make sure you can also get your prerequisites as well. And in regards to my transition, so I, senior year of undergrad, I, like I said, I was about to take the, I took the MCAT, actually was about to apply to, um, to medical school. And I was like, you know what, something doesn't feel right. And that's when I took that time off and shadowed the different physicians. And that's where I found optometry. So I only did take a gap year, um, but it still was the best decision I ever made. Oh, so you ended up taking a gap year? Yes. Awesome. Did you work, volunteer, or just shadow during that time? Yes. So I shadowed a great deal at the beginning, and um, I continue to shadow a couple of different optometrists were in different fields, whether that's vision therapy, primary care, ocular disease, just to kind of see the different areas. And then I decided to work as an optician um, at, I moved back home and worked at a local optometry office. And then, so I was able to get exposure to that. Awesome. Um, so you uh, mentioned that you're also involved with the rowing club. And a lot of um, people think that if you're on a pre-professional track, you know, you all, all the time you have is really spent studying and you've proven that to be completely incorrect. So what extra curricular activities did you participate in and what are your tips to kind of balance it all out? Yes, so I was actually a member of the Beta 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 Biological Honor Society as well as Habitat for Humanity. I also volunteered for the Clemson Life Program, which is a program that allows young adults with intellectual disabilities to obtain a post-secondary education. And kind of towards the end of my college career, I had the opportunity to, to assist as an anatomy and physiology lab instructor. And then even kind of outside of Clemson, I was volunteering at the Greenville Children's Hospital um, and participated as a camp counselor for their camp with children for, um, that have cancer and blood disorders during the summer. So yes, it sounds like a lot of extracurricular activities, but really you just kind of have to find that work-life balance. And Yes, the, I was involved with rowing and all of those activities, but that allowed me to also stay on top of my studies. For me, being involved in a great deal of um, different activities allows me to prioritize my time, and that allowed me to kind of stick with my schedule and go from there. Um, yes, you know, you, again, you kind of have to find that work-life balance. Awesome. 
Um, so last question here in the pre-optometry segment, and you kind of touch on it a little bit. You worked and you worked as an optician, you shadowed, um, but during your gap year, how did you prepare for the OAT and um, your optometry school interviews? Yes, I remember being extremely nervous about the OAT and even more anxious for interviews. So to prep for the OAT, you first have to kind of figure out what is the best way that you learn. For me, I'm a visual and auditory learner. Therefore, I used Chad videos. He actually had a program specifically for the OAT that walked you through the main concepts. He was awesome and I highly recommend it. I also did... Yes, I love him. (laughs) Um, I also did a great deal of practice tests and flashcards. I don't know about you guys, but organic chemistry and physics are not my strong suit. So the repetition was also a big factor. In regards to interviews, the biggest advice I received was be yourself. You know, that, that sounds really simple, right? But when you work so hard and this is the last big step to get into school, there's a lot of pressure. So I just Googled random interview questions, made sure that I could answer all of them beforehand. I also asked my parents for advice and what kinds of questions they received during interviews. And yes, I know that awful saying, practice makes perfect, but it's true. Practice talking out loud, talk in the mirror, talk to a family or a friend. It will definitely make you feel much more relaxed well, you know, as relaxed as you can be during an interview and just be yourself. Awesome. So we're um, going to jump right into optometry related question. Uh, so if you don't mind me asking, how many schools did you apply to and what made you ultimately choose SCO? So I applied to three. And to be honest, SCO is actually my third choice going into interviews. And I just heard and read great things about SEO. I just didn't really picture myself wanting to live in Memphis. You know, optometry school is four years and that's a big commitment, just like undergrad is. So, um, and the optometrists that I shadowed were also, um, a couple of them went to SEO, said nothing but great things. So I considered it, but after my interviews, there was no decision. I had to go to SEO. I was completely blown away by the school, the faculty, the staff, the facilities were amazing. And, um, you know, you really can't pass up the board score rates, the state of the art technology. I loved the fact that SEO taught you the full scope of practice, regardless of what state we were going to be ending up in. And plus, when I was there, everyone was just so friendly and wanted to be there. Um, so the students kind of all spoke very highly of their experience, their education, and even just what to do in Memphis. So everything was just so encouraging that I had to go. It was definitely the school for me. Awesome. Um, so kind of bouncing off of that. Um, so when you started optometry school, what for you was the hardest transition from undergrad um, going into optometry school? I would have to say the course load. I'm sure this is probably what everybody says because <laughs> the course load is it's, it's daunting because it's 23 to 24, you know, credit hours a semester, and it sounds like a lot, and I was very nervous about that aspect, and, you know, especially since they were all science classes. Um, one of the nice things, though, is that everyone's in the same boat. Every one of my classmates is taking the same exact class, the same labs, taking those the same exams, so it just made it much easier to stay on top of the course load because you're constantly surrounded by people doing the exact same thing. 
And it's just a very encouraging environment. So um, it was the hardest transition, but it wasn't as hard as I anticipated it would be. Yeah. Um, what are some study habits that you kind of had to alter or adapt to in optometry school? Yes. So as I said, I am a very visual auditory learner. Um, SEO has some great resources that allows me to kind of lean on that. Whereas, um, so we had this system that recorded all of our live lectures. So I was able to go back, visually see the PowerPoint slides, hear it again. Um, I also found I like studying in groups, did not like studying in groups in undergrad, but being able to quiz each other, talk through different concepts, it was really nice having a study group. So I kind of picked up a couple of things along the way, but I did stick kind of to my roots from what I know has worked for me in the past. Awesome. Um, so Marie, you're a fourth year student at SEO. So can you just walk us through what a typical day looks like for you um, this year with COVID and all? Yes. Well, first off, fourth year is when externs begin. So that was new and exciting. Um, but also kind of sad because with COVID, you know, everything is becoming virtual and well, during your fourth year, we're in clinic. So um, SEO, since I'm back at, um, back in Memphis for my last rotation, obviously our eye center is only at 50% capacity currently. So I'm not seeing as many patients as I would have with COVID, but I'm still getting my patient encounters, which is nice. So SEO actually breaks up the entire week. So I'm in clinic Monday through Friday, and I actually rotate through the different departments. SEO has their eye center set up kind of similar to a hospital where I'm in pediatrics on Mondays, ocular disease on Tuesdays, low vision and vision therapy on Wednesdays. I also rotate through optical technology, dry eye. It kind of rotates per week on Thursdays. And then I'm in contact lens on Friday. So it's nice that I get kind of that wide range in each of those clinics throughout the week. Um, but yes, I am in patient care um, 100% of the time. And then also I am participating in an evening seminar. Actually, all students have to. So I say I'm participating, but it's required um, where I am. We're trying to build a practice, tempting for it to be successful, but it's just getting used to the numbers and the business aspect of it. Um, and obviously during fourth year as well, uh, you take part two and part three of your board exams, but that is kind of my typical day. Awesome. So um, what externship sites did you end up choosing? And if you can just tell us why you chose a specific sites, um, just to kind of um, help someone out that, you know, might be going through the same process soon. Yes, absolutely. So the way SEO does it is they actually don't take GPA as the determining factor. Um, they go first by home state. Um, I know it's kind of very confusing whenever you actually try to like pinpoint where you're supposed to go, but I chose my externships because of a new experience and I really liked what the practice had to offer. So I went to the WG Hefner VA Medical Center, also known as Salisbury VA to make it simple. <laughs> and that was in Salisbury, North Carolina. I, since I have such a passion for disease, I knew I wanted to do a, um, an externship that had a lot of ocular disease and VAs will have primarily, will have most of that. So I chose that one. Plus I really like North Carolina. So um, it was nice to kind of be close to home, but also get a good experience with that VA. 
And then I wanted to pick one rotation that was just completely out there trying something new. And that's when I went up to Minnesota. I went to Pinecone Vision Center, which is a private practice in Sartell. And I chose that one because one, I wanted to step outside my comfort zone and try a state that wasn't gonna ever live in. Um, highly recommend it. It was great to get it outside of my comfort zone, but I really liked how Pinecone had five different optometrists that are all residency certified in different areas. So I knew I was gonna be getting exposure to contact lens and pediatrics, vision therapy, ocular disease, dry eye. So really when it comes to picking your externships, find ones that you're really gonna enjoy being there and getting an education out of. So, cause it is only for such a short time. So I wanted to make sure I was gonna make get the most out of my experience. Awesome. Um, so does SCL require you to do at least one of them at their um, Eye and Vision Center? Absolutely not. You do not have to do um, an externship in, I'm sorry, in Tennessee or in Memphis? Like in Memphis, yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, you do. So we have three four-month rotations. And one of those rotations does have to be at SEO. Yes, I apologize. I misheard the question. Oh, okay. And um, since you um, did uh, your externships at three different states, um, do they um, provide, you know, living arrangements or how did you kind of figure that out? I mean, it sounds interesting that you went to, you know, two or three different states in the span of a year. Um, but how was, you know, the moving and living situations? Um, how did you figure that out? Yes, good question. Looking back, it was so much driving and moving. <laughs> it was kind of overwhelming, but I'm very glad I did it. The When you're choosing different sites, um, SEO has a booklet that kind of has reviews from past students who have gone there. And a lot of them will kind of put their contact information down or I stayed in this place, this apartment or Airbnb XYZ. So um, that is also nice to have that as a resource. Um, some of the extern sites actually provide housing. I was very fortunate enough at the Salisbury VA in North Carolina. They actually have on-site dormitories that I was able to stay in and actually was able to stay for free. So it was nice. I didn't have to lug my furniture around. I was able to just bring my essentials, what I needed and move in pretty easily. So um, it kind of, it varies in regards to some provides housing, some provides partial housing, whereas like maybe you'll get a stipend and then some do not provide anything at all. Like the one in Minnesota, I had to search and search because um, especially with COVID nowadays, um, a lot of apartment complexes were not doing any leases less than six months. Well, I'm only there for three and a half months, four months or so. So it made it extremely difficult, but I was able to find an Airbnb. So um, you kind of find and figure it out along the way. So. Awesome. Um, so you told us about your background story and how you found and fell in love with ocular disease. Um, but what would be your advice to current optometry students interested in applying to residency programs that maybe don't really know um, what they're called for, what they're really um, into? What would be your advice for them? Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like you first need to answer, why do you want to do a residency? 
and then decide from there as to what kind of residency program you would want to go to. So I, I would definitely recommend find a residency program that will best fit you. When it comes to applying to a program, you not only have to have an interest in it, but you also need to get that feel of where you're going to get the most out of your education, where you feel like you're going to fit in because you work very closely with the residency coordinator. So you know, there's even though there's a great deal of residency programs in ocular disease, they all offer something a little bit different. So do your research, try to visit if you can in person, even if it's just for a tour and go from there. And at the end of the day, you do have to go with your gut, similar to how it is for picking the right undergrad, picking the right optometry school, um, kind of goes from there. Awesome. So um, we're uh, moving along to our last segment of today's episode. Um, a lot of the questions um, we've already answered, um, but two questions that we haven't touched on. So the first one is um, class size is relatively large at SCO. How did you find your people? You know, I was actually originally concerned that the class size was going to be too big, you know, because as you said, SEO does have a large class size, and I was afraid that I wasn't going to find my people per se, um, but SEO has a lot of, um, I guess, events and get-togethers for students to meet each other. Obviously, it's a little bit different now with COVID, but um, they still do a lot of online virtual they still do outside events that allows you to get to know people a little bit easier um, you also can um, i met my people through labs through the extracurricular activities that i was involved in in school and um, kind of have gone from there uh, yes my class size is pretty large but honestly i can't imagine having a smaller class size we still get together well not now, but we used to get together and, um, and do lots of different, whether it was pool parties or frisbee tournaments, things like that, um, where we kind of all come together as one. So um, very fortunate to have such a great class. Yeah, and you're also very involved in optometry school. Um, so how do you balance that all out first? And second, how did you um, kind of immerse yourself into like all these different clubs and leadership roles? Yes, I did not realize I would be taking on so many leadership roles. I have always been involved in a great deal of activities through high school undergrad, so I knew I wanted to be involved. So I just started um, signing up for the different clubs, the interest meetings, and kind of um, increased my activities from there. I did not want to get too involved right off the bat. I wanted to make sure that I would still be able to stay on top of my classes and labs and still do well academically and can increase my extracurricular activities as I moved forward throughout the different years of school. But really, it kind of just came down to my interests and I kind of have just always had a hunch of wanting to go into different realms, I guess you could say, of optometry, that that's what led me into the different activities and actually getting the leadership roles. Awesome. So were you involved at all your, during your first year or did you kind of wait until your second year to become involved? 
Yes. So I actually only was um, class president as first year. It kind of came down to I knew I wanted to be involved in student government and wanted to kind of be there for my classmates and also help not only my transition into optometry school, but help everybody else's. I wasn't necessarily ready for the presidency role. It kind of came down to there was only um, one. Actually, I was the only one that ran for um, class president. So um, it kind of, yeah, it just came down to um, who wanted which role. I knew I wanted to be involved and someone needed to step up. And that's kind of what happened. And it's been the same ever since. And very fortunate to have had that position. That's awesome. Alrighty. So last question here. Um, so this listener says I'm from the West Coast and SEO is my dream school. Um, but she's concerned about the, you know, social scene in Memphis. So how is the social scene and social life in Memphis, Tennessee? Yes, that is a great question because I also had the same, you know, question and concern when I was applying. And, you know, obviously before the pandemic, the social scene was great. I wish I could say the same thing now because obviously things have changed. But even with the pandemic, there still is plenty of things that you can do in Memphis. You know, there's a lot of outdoor activities around Memphis. I currently live on Mud Island, so I'm right next to the Mississippi River. It's beautiful coming across the bridge every day. There's, you know, Shelby Farms, which is a really huge park on the eastern side of Memphis. You can even, um, I have not made my way onto Beale Street during um, the pandemic, but nightlife is great here. Um, There's so many museums, music everywhere. So really the social scene, um, I think, you know, you'll be pleasantly surprised as was I, you know, coming into Memphis. And it's just, honestly, Memphis is kind of like any city. You know where to go, you know where not to go. Um, I remember coming to SEO for the interview and I was concerned, I was by myself, um, concerned for that and was just kind of asking the students and even the administrators, you know, where I want to kind of explore the area, where do you recommend? And, you know, everybody has nothing but positive things to say Um, and they'll just definitely tell you which areas not to go. So it's kind of one of those things you learn to love Memphis and it does have a lot to offer. All right. Thank you so much, Marie. Um, This was really awesome. Um, And again, thank you for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So that is all for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to this and I'm excited for next week's episode because this was a highly requested one. We're going to interview Pacific University admissions. So make sure to tune in next week to learn all about them. But in the meantime, keep up with the podcast on Instagram at keepin.it.od. And lastly, again, if you or anyone that you know would like to collaborate on an episode, I'd love to bring you on the show. Just make sure to email me at keepinitodpodcast at hotmail.com. And I'll get back to you as soon as I see the email. So I will see you right back here next week with a brand new episode with Pacific Admissions. And as always, we'll be keeping it OD. Thank you, guys.